Uh, oh, hold on. All right, my food's here. I'll be back in one second. Hello and welcome to TGE, the podcast. It's episode 59. Today we're going to be talking about Hail Caesar. It's a, it's kind of a good movie, I think, but we're looking at it specifically because there's a scene with an editor in there. Today with me, as always, is Tyler. Tyler, how are you? Good, Sven. We want to thank everyone who listens. Thank everyone who subscribes to this show. If you have a friend that would like to listen to the show, let them know about it. And we are on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and you can have Siri subscribe for you. So go for it. Nice, nice. And also, if you wouldn't mind, give us a review. I don't think we have enough reviews yet. Please take a minute and do that. Much appreciated. Thank you. Yes, a good one. Sven, What uh, do we have any questions that feel so artificial? Because we do. And we just said that we do. <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, I actually collected a couple of questions this time. And this is like now are these podcast specific or are these to the channel, your YouTube just channel? All over the place. And well, it's he, stuff that you don't really feel like you can respond to better in this format than in a comment response or email response or something. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. This is like sometimes really like involved questions. And usually what I would do is just not answer them. Um, because I, I could do that all day long, and so it's hard for me. But if they're interesting questions, then I think it's good to share them. Like, I, I much rather, at the beginning, I always said, well, please share these comments on a YouTube video or in, on a Discord group or somewhere where other people can chime in and can sort of benefit from the discussion. Yeah, um, it's, it's It's not very effective to do a one-on-one -on -one communication if it's like, every day 30 emails of that style so but yes but here's one more opportunity to to talk about all this stuff so having said that here we go abdullah here's your question hey sven i've been working at a tv channel as an editor for three years mostly doing news and now i'm giving a task for a live performance comedy show edit eight episodes 20 minutes each i want to ask you that what should be my approach to such edit, given that I have no experience in this type of project before? Any advice will be much appreciated. So Abdullah is cutting eight episodes of a live performance comedy show, and his background is mostly news editing. Tyler, what do you have as advice for switching genres like this or formats? Well, I need more information. I feel like, is this eight episodes of someone doing stand-up comedy live, or is this a sketch show? I don't really know. Yes, I, I assume it's a live performance comedy show that would be like a three-camera sitcom, maybe? Sounds like. Okay. That's happening live? Mm-hmm. In front of then an audience? then I would wonder what type of news the listener is coming from because if it's broadcast news in a studio, I think it so, might yeah. be quite similar. Yeah, maybe it's like these packages that they're doing on a new show where you mm -hmm. have like a reporter bringing in some footage and then cutting a little piece. Oh, yeah. Well, that's different than doing the live editing on a, a news broadcast. Yeah. I mean, we're just assuming that's what it is, but... That's how I understood it. Have you done live TV before, Sven? I have, yes. It's actually, once you get used to it, it's not that difficult. You usually what you have is you have a live show with several cameras, and there is actually a director on set doing a live switch. 
So he's usually somewhere in a broadcast center or in a trailer seeing all the different angles and is communicating with all the cameramen and he's doing what it's called a line cut. So that is like a live recording of how he switches the show. And then that goes back into editing and we then as the editors have the opportunity to just stick with that cut or we can switch it up because oftentimes they get mm -hmm. it wrong or they miss it by a few seconds. Then, right. then we can go in and we say, oh, no, we want this angle much rather than that angle. Or here we need a reaction shot of the audience instead of staying on whatever, the contestant or whatever it is. And so you have that line cut and then you have all the um, ISOs, the, the separate camera angles that will get um, uploaded or digitized or ingested as well. And usually the turnaround is super fast. That's the challenge of it is you have to like do a cut within a day and then you have to show it to the producers and then get notes. And then within two days, it almost um, goes to network or it airs right away. So that's, that's the tough part is getting used to that fast pace and it can take a lot of hours at the beginning. But um, right. yeah, no, my advice so would be just uh, look at the line cut and start with that. That's really good to have as a reference and then figure out what what are the parts that you need to trim up, especially if it's comedy. Obviously, pacing is so important. See mm -hmm. if certain things didn't fly during the show and you need to enhance it through reaction shots or just cutting stuff out, all that good stuff. Yes, and most sitcoms are done that way now as well. To some extent, there's some sort of a live audience aspect to it, whether they decide to do that after they've done a previous recording or they decide to do the stuff without the audience, after they do one for the audience to have the coverage and backups and stuff like that. And my advice is if you come from a news background, then you've already learned the hardest part of this gig that you're going to be doing, and that's dealing with the deadlines and pressuring, delivering with the when the tidal wave of due dates is coming at you. So just keep it up and depend on the director and writing for guidance in the comedy, and you'll be in good shape. Yeah, and build yourself a little library of audience reactions, especially Ooh. with sound. So I always had like, separately a bin just with audience reactions so that I can go in there and punch up a joke. Sometimes the audience reaction is not as strong as it needed to be. And then I just cut a couple more layers of laughs in there and have like various degrees of laughs. And I mark them like this, like really soft trickle laugh or just like immediate explosive, all these applause and awe and oom, um, just ye yelling and screaming, all this stuff, you can really fill out the the um, the sound bed and make it feel more funny and, and more exciting. Yes, and I should have probably mentioned actors as well. You can depend on them, but I didn't, so here we are. Next question is, and I'm, I forgot to write down the name, but this came through Twitter. Is cutting, oh, and this kind of fits, is cutting comedy easier than drama, or do I just not know what I'm doing? <laughs> It fits because it is a perfect segue from what we were just talking about, but also fits because I feel like I still need more information. Is this someone that's having trouble with drama or someone's having trouble with comedy? Yeah. It might be that you have bad material. It might be many things. Yeah, I would say, I mean, generally people say cutting comedy is harder. It's less appreciated, but it's harder mm. to actually perform because you really need to be perfect when it comes to timing and pacing to make a joke work and 
it takes a certain sensibility and instinct as an editor to be funny. So you have to have a certain sense of humor that fits with the show. Mm-hmm. And it needs a ton of experience to understand how an audience can potentially sort of wave the ride of comedy. So it's it's almost similar to actually writing stand-up and then like trying it out in front of an audience and figuring out what works. How how long do I wait till I like do my punch, my my tag in the joke? All that stuff is something you really need to like work out and test and try and and see if it if it flies. Right. And when Roger Nygaard was on the show, who's a good example because he's obviously edited tons of comedy for Judd Apatow, Larry David, Sasha Baron Cohen, for everyone, he said that the number one reason he gets hired is because he picks the right takes. Mm-hmm. 80% of the time, I think he said. If you can get that good, <laughs> then uh, you have a and job. And in sync in sync with the showrunners or directors and writers as well, yeah. then that helps. So I don't know, maybe you have bad material, but I do think they're both challenging. It just depends what you're working with. And, you know, something like Curb, I mean, and there's improvised dramas as well. That's you're having to figure out a lot more than just where the jokes are. You're kind of having to build the story. So, yeah. Good luck. I mean, I don't really have an opinion about one being harder than the other. Yeah. The one thing that I find is an, a good editor will always make the material better than right. just the raw, the dailies. So you want to create that effect where the director has seen the dailies, knows what what the choices are that are available, and then sees the cut and feel like, oh my god, this is this is so much better, and we're on the right track. If you if it, what you want to avoid is get to a point where. Somebody sees the dailies, is really excited about it, and then sees the cut and it's a letdown. Feels like it's not there yet. The potential hasn't been um, put even in the rough cut yet. That's that's a bummer. Yeah, because and then you then you get nervous as a director. Right, and also FYI for everyone, feeling like you suck is most of the process. True, <laughs> it's going to feel like that a lot. So at the don't get especially. don't get down because it. Yeah, especially at the beginning. Yeah. Cool. I don't know. I guess editing has that too, where you can internalize it, which is a little different than some of the other stages of the process. Yeah, that's, uh, and I, that's what I like about editing is you have like finite choices in a way. I mean, you can go off script and create some interesting ideas and create new things with adding music or voiceover or something you can do almost do anything in editing but in in a way you it's a puzzle and the the pieces are there the puzzle pieces are there and you're just puzzling around and i really like that aspect of editing that it's i have some form of limitation and i can i can see the various options as i'm watching the footage before i actually start cutting I, it sort of starts to to happen in my mind and i can sort of follow ideas that hopefully work yeah which obviously was much more essential to the gig back in the days of film yeah yeah and sure. now people are kind of becoming over dependent on the ability to just try everything and i don't know if that's really the best way to start out approaching editing yeah and i think experienced editors don't try everything like they watch everything and then they have an idea and then they yeah. go after it and cut it and if it doesn't work then they try something else but if it works then right. there's no need to to try everything else just randomly. Yeah, and it seems like more and more it does just work. 
Yeah. That first time you, you figure it out and then it works where a lot of editors starting out have the tendency to just not do that phase of it because of the digital technology makes it so easy to just try stuff. Yeah. Which is still, still a good process to get somewhere. Yeah. I have one more question. You want to do it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I was looking forward to it. Okay. Here we go. It's by Treason's Beta, which is uh, common on YouTube. I've been asked to edit a documentary and I'm trying to figure out the best way to do it. I've only edited music videos for fun in my free time. It's pretty much the same, right? Just scrubbing through footage and figuring out the most interesting ways to piece everything together. What do you think, Tyler? Is it the same? Music video, documentary, just scrubbing through footage, figuring out the most interesting ways. I feel like that sounds like the select process. That's where you start. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would say that documentary editing is some of the most creative, most challenging, and most interesting ways of editing or being an editor. It's, mm -hmm. it's the closest to actually writing something where you really find the story in the footage. And the first step is the selecting process where you just look for, okay, which are the interesting characters, the big personalities, what are the themes that seem to evolve and and the big ideas and then you throw that in timelines and try to figure out okay how is this all connected finding these these themes that you stringing out and throwing in a timeline this is what uh, some call the heavy lifting where you just you have you have an interesting soundbite about something you throw it in the timeline but then maybe uh in this this is in the first act and then maybe in the second act you still like talking about something and that bite would still relate to it so you throw it in there again and then decide later where it's going to actually end up surviving and be part of the final film um, mm -hmm. but like just building everything and, and figuring out all these big ideas and stringing them out in some form of narrative possibly not chronological order is really challenging it's not like not everybody's game like certain editors really need a script they need to have like three setups in a scene and know exactly the lines that they're supposed to cut but for documentary editors they just go totally non-linear in stories and just just think about what's the what's the bigger story behind it that they need to tell yeah it's uh, very fulfilling yeah and i think music video not necessarily i think i mean yes fulfilling but not necessarily storytelling at that level oftentimes it's just an artist and you're just filming Maybe. him sing i mean you can do amazing stuff with a music video but it's just a different Hopefully. thing than creating something that's possibly going to ignite a cultural movement and make actual change in the real world yeah you know it's just they're just different things there's something very satisfying about just nailing a, a cool music video too oh yeah for sure and it's fun to do it all so speaking of doing it all this is a movie that has all of it in it do you want to set up hail caesar for us finn Yes, you sort of had the idea to do it because there is a scene with an editor. But Hail Caesar is basically a 2016 comedy film written, produced, edited, and directed by Joel and Ethan Cohen. The film stars Josh, Josh Brolin, George Clooney, and a bunch of other people, and Francis McDormand. It's a fictional story that follows the real-life fixer Eddie Mannix, played by Brolin, working in the Hollywood film industry in the 1950s trying to discover what happened to a cast member who vanished during the filming of a biblical epic. First talked about by the Coens in 2004, Hail Caesar was originally set to take place in the 1920s to, and to follow actors performing a play about ancient Rome. 
The Cohen shelved the idea until late 2013. Principal photography began in 2014 in L.A. The film premiered in L.A. in 2016, early uh, February, and was released in the United States nationwide. It grossed 63 million worldwide and received positive reviews. It got only one Academy Award nomination for production design, hmm. not for editing. Very cool, and it um, kind of fits in with the thread of sorry, the Coen Brothers. It just seems like there's a lot of like snippets of different stuff in it, almost in the style of the Buster Scruggs movie that was on Netflix. That you know was just sort of like just it would seem like just a lot of abandoned scenes that could never really fully make a movie. Okay, and then they turn in the thing that got nominated for an Academy Award for Best Screenplay, and also you know this just has a lot of that vibe. And I think this scene's a good example of, of just you know, well-structured reasons that comedy can work the way that it does and the way that their darkness works. So that's what we'll be looking at. Yeah, it's also a very good example of how actors can save a performance. And unfortunately, if you haven't seen the movie yet, there is a scene prior to this where the actor completely struggles with the scene because he can't get the accent right or the dialect. And they, on set, felt like this is a complete disaster. And then when... Eddie Man- Mannix goes into the editing room later. He sees how the editor cut this together, and you can, I mean, it's not really <laughs> spelled out, but it's clear that uh, she saved that scene and made it work. <laughs> and it, it just seemed like it also got rewritten on set a little bit, too, which is fun because that kind of just pays, plays into everything that we're talking about. Yep. Yep. Cool. So, what do we do on this show, Sven? We play an actual scene and uh, play it through, talk you through it. Usually there's a link in the podcast description you can watch along. I could not find the scene anywhere. So we're going to watch it from the original movie. You can get it off, I don't know, Amazon. You can rent it there mm-hmm. or on YouTube. It is about two-thirds into the movie. We're going to start it off with Eddie Mannix, that's Josh Brolin, the fixer, walking into the editing bay. Cool. All right. And Francis McDormand, of course, plays the editor and, I mean, just shows up literally for this scene and maybe maybe one other and, and talk about an actor adding just so much to it. Yeah, true. It's great. She plays C.C. Calhoun. Okay, <laughs> here we go. In, Who's based on... Okay. Uh, yeah, based on who? I feel like she's based on Margaret Booth, who was an infamous editor at the time that kind of oversaw everything and had worked with, like, D.W. Griffith and all this great stuff. Oh, great. It was just kind of the go-to for... So on click, we'll start. Three, two, one, click. Back to your place. Okay, so Baxter enters the editing suite. He's going to get a look at what's going on. Oh, hi, Eddie. Want to lace up what you got on Barely We Dance? It's up now. I'll put some music on it. So she's loading up the flatbed to do some editing. It's a moviola. I thought maybe it's not. It seems like it's a moviola. Yeah, I think so. Nice setup here of her scarf that she sort of almost got entangled. <laughs> saved it. Little and push this in. Is just, yeah, and it, to me it's very reminiscent of what was going on in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for some reason, where it's these filmmakers that are just literally just recreating the style and execution of these pieces. Yeah, so Josh Brolin <laughs> is watching the movie now on this tiny screen on the moviola. Mm-hmm. Now we're watching Jack Houston playing a character in the actual movie. Getting a lot of foot shots. <laughs> so we're watching the actual scene in black and white. Ira, 
the thought we might go to Lake on and Dega for the weekend. Two shows off two characters. You don't have my car. Left it in your foyer. Oh, you'll get by without a change. Suits me. If you don't mind skipping out on your own party, Allegra. Suits me. And skipping out on Monty. That suits me as well. Oh, poor Monty. <laughs> what Monty Witchy doesn't dialogue. know. Won't hurt Monty. Right, another foot shot. <laughs> Must be Monty. We're seeing a bag, a traveling bag that he comes across and he stops. We're still on the feet. Cut to we're the building door open. Up. Sorry, go ahead. And we're building up to how he is going to execute this thing that we've just been seeing them try and try and try and try. Is it going to happen? It seems and a no-show, which is simply a bore. Boom. Film freezes. Film burns. Brolin's confused. He notices Frances McDormand choking with her scarf caught in the editing machine. Trying to say reverse. Somehow he hits it. I mean, it's just so absurd. <laughs> he looks horrified. I shouldn't wear scarves. And then <laughs> he goes right back in there. They get right back to work, and he just... So funny enough, the film didn't seem to have broken. And here's the big line. You can still watch it. That was a little blurb. The burn mark. <laughs> Complicated. Oh, I didn't even notice that the, the the little flip was there. Yeah, that's a good point because usually when it burns, it's it's a big problem and they have to yeah, really, they have uh, to splice it and everything. Splice it back together it would take ten minutes. But otherwise, it's a very loving tribute to yeah. the equipment and everything. And I think for me, the thing that I think is good to look at, aside from like making it interesting with. I don't even know if that counts as making it interesting, but like you point out, there's a lot of inserts and stuff like that. We hold for a really long time on picture within picture watching this other movie, and that happens a lot through this film. And this mm -hmm. is a reason the way that it's done and executed kind of keeps the audience on their toes because her choking, on top of just being dark and funny in the Coen Brothers way, makes you think at any time you never know what's going to happen in the outside world watching this so it kind of keeps you engaged in a weird way where it's like okay i'm watching this thing but holy crap anything can really happen so you never really get bored because it's very rewarding when you get sucked back into the real world yeah what i really like about the scene is that there's a lot of inside information that is not explained it's just there like there's a whole generation of people that don't they've never seen actual film mm -hmm. um burn in a theater and what happens when that happens which is basically the lights come on and you got to take a 10 minute break because they got to splice it back together yeah and this whole process is not explained at all uh, what just happened and you either know or you don't but ultimately i mean you know it it happens because the film gets stuck there it doesn't go through the projector and because the lens is so hot it starts just melting that frame of the film and then usually it will then break up and the reason why that happens is because she had her scarf entangled in the machine um right but it i mean a lot of people won't know that right um yeah i think so i mean i guess maybe it 
it becomes clear that she's caught and that's all that really matters and that right. the thing's getting messed up so you don't need to know the specifics of why yeah. but also it's funny because it just makes you appreciate I saw thousands and thousands and thousands of movies projected on film yeah. and never once saw that happen so it's kind of amazing just like how locked in that technology is yeah. and should I had it used. happen to me a few times in, in Germany? Theater. yeah in Germany yeah, it was kind of a regular just thing. Like the film was already like old, old print. Right. I mean, this yeah, is yeah. like a work print, and a work print is pretty beat up as well. But like a, uh-huh. a film that you see in a theater, a work print can be pretty beat up once it's ran a few hundred times or whatever. Yeah, and so it breaks easily. And uh, comedy-wise, I just also wanted to say the thing that's great about this is one, comedy is unexpected, and it just like it's all about like distracting people from the joke that's going to come and have them not thinking about it and you are so 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 not expecting this to happen yeah it's kind of left field right i mean what's the point it just gives that character some flavor right it's grounded it's realistic and yet just absurd and the way she's reacting yeah i mean rightfully and just kind of like his reaction also is just like it's such a comedy thing it's almost like his hat pops off his head and he's like trying to keep it on yeah um he's so shocked uh and the way he plays it like reacting to what's going on and then of course after that them completely ignoring it and going back to it for just the punchline of the scene (laughs) is just i mean it's just so it's just like only they can get away with this stuff and it works so well but it's so and for all the reasons that like a stand-up comedy joke does but they're just such experts at it (laughs) yeah but it's also i mean they have obviously a huge star playing this editor and sure they probably only had her for a day or two well they're married to her one of them so oh there you go so (laughs) they've given her just something to do with the character that is not just a straight cameo Right, and I think, but that, I think, you, star or not, you could say that of every character in every Coen Brothers movie, there's never one that's just delivering the mail. It's all, and yeah, that's the thing. I can't think of the greater significance, but there's so much in this movie. It's like, why do we just watch this entire dance scene? You can't think of the greater significance, but that's kind of the thing, and yeah. it has like a really cool effect because of it, yeah. as as a film. And you know, I mean, you were a little wobbly on how great it was, but it's funny because the, the same exact thing almost works so well in, in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And this, I remember being a little bit, I don't know, like, well, what's going on here? But it's just all the pieces are so great. Yeah, there's something interesting going on at 50 seconds. This is the moment where we go from the shot that's showing, like, the floor, and then it's going to the outside uh, swing door. Right. And... As this cut happens, we see the actually like a marker, a black marker on the right. film going over. So it's indicating this is going to be a dissolve. And shouldn't it technically be a hard cut when you're actually doing your editing on the moviola and then you you give it to opticals and they create the dissolve. Yeah. But it's actually oh wow. We're seeing a dissolve with with the marker line. Right. So yeah, I don't I don't remember whether you can actually do dissolves. I don't think you can because then you could time it, and it used to be you had to wait two days to see yeah. what it even looked like. So yeah, so hmm. not sure what the thinking behind that was. Maybe we have it wrong, but if somebody knows, let us know whether this is actually authentic or this is kind of a 
uh, artistic license that's been taken right. here. And moment. if that license taken, then is this whole thing like digitally put in? Like what's going on? Yeah. And same could be said for the thing you pointed out too. Obviously, some license is being taken in that with it not breaking. But we're curious to know, so let us know. Yeah. The other thing I wanted to point out at one or two, when we cut from the like two sets of feet walking across the pavement towards the car. And then we actually cut to the inside of the car at 102. Mm -hmm. And we still see them like settling down in the car. Oh, yeah. And then they start their conversation. This right. feels to me like traditional editing from when does this take place in the 50s? Yeah. So they're sort of mimicking the style of how that show or that film would have been cut. And I would argue that the movie that they're making is not cut that way. They would take out a lot of that air from right. walking to getting into the car and then sort of really cutting faithfully to the action, the movement of them settling in in the car. Yeah, now, nowadays, yeah. we compress that quite a bit. And it's interesting that they kept that to really be faithful to the style. Yeah, it's wildly authentic. And it makes me wonder what that early version of the script was because it would have all been silent stuff too in the yeah. 20s. Oh, yeah, true. So, yeah, it's a weird... Yeah, there's definitely artistic license going on here. And it's used in a way that, you know, comes across authentic. And just looking at that bit of her choking again, his reactions are just so, so good in that. <laughs> and then it's all fine. Yeah, I mean... And then, of course, in comedy, it's building and ending on a punchline, too, is the great part. All this, and it ends up serving the story, and then we're back in it. Because this is something that happened earlier, paying off. and yeah. It's great. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the editing, I don't think there's like some major groundbreaking things going on. But what I really like is the composition of the shots. The white shots mm -hmm. are beautiful. The lighting is amazing. Like she is in the dark and there's like these highlights just on all the film spools. The inserts, I feel, are really amazing. And it's a nice little sequence of when she starts up the scene and shows it to him how she like pushes a couple of buttons and pulls a film strip off the rack and puts it into the machine all these these things i think is really nicely cut and then yeah this setup is really important at 23 seconds where she like gets entangled with her scarf that just sort of sets it up in a way that we now are fully prepared for the fact that she's going to get stuck in there later on in the scene. Without that, I think it would be very, even more confusing about what's going on. Yeah. So she gets stuck at 208. Okay, and then also, we just really wanted to look at it to see. It wasn't a scene that we had any particular thing about. We just know that it's a scene that really is a nice nod to the life of the editor back in the day, and it's always cool to see that and check it out. So it was a fun one to look at. Yeah. If you have a scene that you would like us to look at, by all means, send it our way. We're happy to do this exact thing with it on the show. And if you have any comments you'd like to make, where would they make comments, Sven? They could go to Twitter at this guy edits. Let us know. There's a couple of things that are on my mind. Like I wouldn't mind taking a look at Goliath, which the third season just started. I think that's an mm -hmm. incredible show on Amazon. I was also just thinking about Ferris Bueller. Let us know if that's a Ooh. show you even know that you remember. Movie from mid-80s. Great movie. So uh, very cool. So it'll be Sven's pick this week if we hear nothing. For sure. And there's a new video coming out on YouTube on This Guy Edits on Saturday. So have a look out for that. Ooh, awesome. What's it about? 
It's about the art of the algorithm. Oh, right. We talked about that before. Okay, so the algorithm video is coming out. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait to see what, how you finalize that. Thank you to Curter for the music. And as Sven always says, happy editing.